Acting is behaving truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Sanford Meisner. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, oh, yeah. and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and I am the host of the Silver Linings Playcast. As far as I know, it is the only podcast that is solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Um, if I am breathing funny during this episode, don't worry about it. That has nothing to do with anything. Am I kidding? Who knows? Uh, we don't know. Life is weird, right? I'm just kidding. That is totally a joke. Um, but it is like 2 o'clock in the morning, so who knows, right? Uh, let's get down to business. We've talked a lot of things. This is... Uh, the, the season premiere of our 12th season, right? Um, it is our 10th episode, uh, after the second episode. So that's right. We are on episode number 12, but it is season 12, episode one, because I think every episode is going to be a brand new season. I learned a couple weeks ago that podcasts are supposed to have seasons. Uh, why? I don't know. I just heard that when I was a guest on someone else's podcast. And I sort of take that as gospel because I feel like every podcast, every other podcast is way more authoritative and professional than this one. I mean, seriously, who would make a podcast solely devoted to Silver Linings Playbook, the book, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book? I got that wrong. Like I said, kind of early. So... Mm, that's right. Okay. Today we are going to talk about, we're going to start breaking down the different actors and characters. And we are going to talk about my absolute favorite actor of the current generation of actors going right now, Mr. Bradley Cooper, Bradley Charles Cooper. He played Pat Solitano uh, in the movie and he's the main character, the protagonist. It all revolves around him. I read there's <laughs> this made me laugh so much. There's a uh, interview on the Guardian website from November 2012. This was a day before the movie was released. It, this this interview was from the Tuesday and it released internationally in the UK and uh, domestically in the United States on that Wednesday. Um, but it just so uh, <laughs> this is how they describe it. Um, the, the interview, he says, Bradley Cooper, who stars in David O. Russell's new comedy drama about a sports fan recovering from a nervous breakdown alongside Hunger Games actor Jennifer Lawrence, talks to Catherine Short about society, superstition, and goat's milk. Now, that's how they described <laughs> the movie. They're not technically wrong. Uh, it is a film by David O. Russell, stars him. It is a comedy drama, even though I think... I think we would really describe it as a dramedy. Now, that's not necessarily a genre that was acknowledged maybe even eight years ago. It's really sort of an emerging term. I don't, I should have looked up when it actually comes from. I don't know. But I, I feel like the, the concept of dramedy holds a little more like, like heaviness 
and weight to it. It's a little more serious. When you say a comedy drama, I think you think it's sort of like it's going to be melodramatic or soap opera-y, but then also really funny. Maybe a movie like, like Judd Apatow's films are dramedies, but his earlier ones were comedy dramas. I might just be making this distinction up in my head, but let me know what you think about that. Also, I just want to say really quick right now, uh, because I'm going to be featuring in an upcoming episode, I would love to talk about uh, when, because I have this theory that men and women watch Silver Linings Playbook differently. I know that because I've had talks with different people that, and and we have different opinions on when we feel like uh, Pat falls in love with Tiffany as opposed to when Tiffany falls in love with Pat. And so I am looking for short stories about people that are in relationships or have stories about previous relationships they've been in where you and or your partner sort of realized that you were in love with one another at different points of that courtship. So if you're interested in either being on the podcast or, or even I'm just going to do a segment about it too. So if you want to record like a 30 second to one minute audio clip on your phone and just text it to me, message it to me, or you can email it at silver linings, playcast P L a Y C A S T at gmail.com. And I will put those together and feature them on an upcoming episode of the silver linings playcast. All right, let's get back to talking about Mr. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is one of my favorite actors. I've had some really in-depth discussions about acting, really good actors, uh, and the the most heated of these conversations or or passionate conversations I've had are with my two writing partners, uh, Nick Cassano and Conrad Bromberic, who have both been guests on the podcast on previous episodes, and they were great guests, they're great writers, and we are, we, we... We are fellow comedians. That's how we met. We create all sorts of projects. We're working on a TV show, writing it together. Uh, We have aspirations to make movies. uh, Conrad and Nick both participated. Uh, We're we're writers, actors, and and producers, I think, of a a small uh, film that another one of our friends created, made, or stuff. We're still waiting to, to see that, but they did a great job. Uh, working on that. So we there's a lot of film and acting ambition amongst the three of us. So we have a lot of a lot of very sort of in-depth conversations about acting. And it's very interesting because I we come at it from very different perspectives too. I come at it from I mean I went I went to film school uh, and I focused on screenwriting, but I feel like I was really looking into movie making too. So there's sort of like a, a production and business side. I I have like a really holistic approach to entertainment creation, content creation. Uh, Nick is really a uh, writing focused. He's very, he's a great writer, just incredibly creative, uh, very analytical person. He, uh, he has great talks about understanding film and TV shows and stuff. And just, just live. We talk about philosophy and stuff. So he comes at it from, from that angle. And then, then Conrad, you know, he's a little bit of a Jack of all trades, but he also, he went to school for acting 
too. He went to the University of West Georgia and worked in theater. And so he knows like the theater production, set design, a lot of acting. He does acting. He was just cast in a commercial. Um, there's some great, great pictures of him uh, working on the set from just earlier this week for a new energy drink. So make sure to check that out. Um, but we've, we've had a lot of talks. We have favorite actors. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a billion lists of who are the greatest actors of all time. Film fans love making lists and, and ranking, uh, the different performances and creators and actors, which I think is funny. It's a little, if you think about it, it's a little bit of sort of like a pointless endeavor because there is a sort of subjective element to it. Somebody's favorite might be somebody else's not favorite. What makes something good? Uh, I don't know. Some of that is, is a little bit up to the audience. The, the real answer is if you like it, if you like them, if you like their performance, if you like their movie, then that's the best. Uh, if you, if you don't, then you don't have to watch it. All these entertainment things are optional. And so that, I think that's really the thing that the best creators and audience members, that's just the best approach. Enjoy what you like and don't bother with things you don't like. But it is fun to have the conversation about who are the best. So I would love to know what you guys think, who you, who you guys think are your favorite actors of all time. But our questions uh, that we got really into is who are the best actors going right now? And, and I mean like in the middle of, of their careers, like who's, who's playing at an all-star level if this was a sport, because there's definitely people that I think uh, already have quite a, um, you know, a filmography under their belt. Uh, you have, you have actors like Robert De Niro who plays Pat's dad in, in silver linings playbook. There's no doubt that he is, you know, going to be in film history for all time. He has so many great performances. Uh, now, I hate to say this because it sounds so um, yeah, sort of shallow or, or judgmental or like I'm just paying a really judgy audience, but I would say like he's um, not, he's, he's definitely in a different phase of his career now where he's not always associated with just killer, killer movies. I say that uh, he actually is though, <laughs> though. Um, I mean, just recently, he was in the film Joker. Uh, he was in the Netflix film The Irishman. Uh, is it The Irishman? The Irishman? The Irishman. One of those. He was in Silver Linings Playbook. So he, like, what he brings is definitely not diminished in quality or skill. He's just not, um, he's not the lead in as many movies anymore. I think he might, he might've been the lead in the Irishman. I did not watch the whole thing. I watched half of it. Interesting fact about the Irishman. Uh, the part I did watch, I did get to a point where he is eating raisin bran in like after he kills somebody, he goes home 
and he eats Raisin Bran. So he is in at least two movies that have Raisin Bran. He doesn't say it, but you can clearly see the box. There was a cereal choice, and he eats Raisin Bran. He actually might even, I think he makes reference to the cereal, but I don't believe he actually calls it Raisin Bran. But it is Raisin Bran. It's, it's not a generic cereal. You can see the, the logo on the title. And I think it's set in the 70s-ish, that scene, when it happens. And so they have sort of like a throwback design on it, too. Anyway, that's just a fun little fact. But that's not the actor we're going to talk about right now. We're talking about Mr. Bradley Cooper. I'm going to read just the beginning bio from his IMDb biography so that if anybody happens to be listening and not know who this is they will know what i'm talking about bradley charles cooper born january 5th 1975 is an american actor and filmmaker he has been nominated for many awards including eight academy awards and a tony and has won two grammy awards and a bafta award Cooper appeared in Forbes' Celebrity 100 on three occasions and Time's list of 100 most influential people in the world in 2015. His films have grossed 11 billion worldwide and he is placed four times in annual rankings of the highest paid actors in the world. Now, that's the sort of empirical reasons why he often is on my list of the, the top actors working today. Uh, he is also just a personal pick because he has been uh, associated with, made, or been in some of my favorite movies. One, Silver Linings Playbook. We're talking about that right now. Um, he was in American Sniper. He was the American Sniper, Chris Kyle. Uh, that, um, yeah, I like I like military movies, and I, you know. That's not necessarily a movie that I would have been like, hey, that's my favorite movie. But he's really, really good in it. It's not not my favorite movie. I'm just saying that uh, it's a very good movie. I mean, it was nominated for everything that year, too. He didn't win any of it. In fact, I'm actually surprised. He has not won an Academy Award out of eight Academy Award nominations yet. But he performs so consistently I'm sure, I'm sure he'll get there, right? Um, he's got plenty of time. Like, he's, he's just hitting his stride right now in his career. I say just hitting it. Like, he's, he's hit it, but he's, he's there, too. Um, that's a very controversial thing. Like, who is the best acting actor? I've, I'm going to bring both those guys back sometime, and then we'll have that discussion on the podcast in an upcoming episode. i got to do that. But he, on IMDb, he is credited with 44 movies that he's acted in. They're not, I think five of them are in production or pre-production right now. 16 TV shows. And that's more appearances than 16. Some of those are multiple, multiple episodes. But he has worked on 16 different TV series and a host of other stuff. And he's also getting into producing and directing. I didn't even realize this. One of his nominations for Academy Award. He was one of the producers of Joker, the film, last year. So he actually even got a nomination last year. And um, I did not realize that. So that's impressive. One of the things, he he was born in 
1975 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is one of the reasons he was a perfect person to play Pat Solitano Jr. He is a Philadelphian, Philadelphian. So uh, the fact that they like moved the movie to there and made it about that was just a perf- made him a perfect choice for a whole bunch of reasons. He's had an interesting career. He uh, one of the reasons I think he is one of the the best actors going. And this is a, this is a thing that I want to say about that too. Um, I'm not even sure that I would say any of his performances are the best performances of our generation. I'm only saying that because there's there's some very steep competition and. Clearly, there is, he hasn't won an Academy Award. Not that that's the gold standard by who actually has the best performance of a year, but that just indicates that there are other people that have had amazing performances in whatever they were doing in those same years that he was nominated. So, because because here's the thing, like I'm not sure if you think about him, how many of his straight up dramatic roles you think of as. Oh my goodness, that is such a memorable performance. You just sort of remember, oh, he's great in everything he does. The roles I think he's most associated with, like as far as, oh, that was a mem- like an iconic performance is oddly some comedies like the the Hangover series, which he he will probably be associated with for a long time. I bet, though, that people will actually forget eventually. Not, like, forget, but just sort of he's so established as as a dramatic leading man now, um, even though those are sort of, like, uh, just iconic comedies from our... My generation, people that are about my age, I just think he's so consistent with his roles, both in picking them and performing them, that it will be able to overshadow those because I'm not sure those are necessarily like the best performances. Um, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't a super fan of those movies just cause I, there's a little sillier than the comedy style that I like in movies, but that's, that's just my opinion. I don't know. You know what? Cause I think it is harder. Uh, I think, I think comedic acting is highly underrated in the skill of an actor too. It takes so much. I mean, so I, uh, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey. I think those guys were and is amazing actors. The ability to do the things they did, but it's it's different. Um, you know, like if you think about looking at all the Academy Awards, how many comedies have won? Not that many. And that would be an interesting discussion. But, you know, I Bradley Cooper deserves deserves to have the respect he does as an actor. And there's a reason he's good. He's really, his whole career, he's taken an v- extremely uh, professional approach. I say, you know, and I, I say that he he's done, educated himself uh, in sort of like what if if you want to be an actor, he's done it the way you would give yourself the best shot at it. He went to the um, 
all all the schooling. I'm I'm being ridiculous right now, losing my words. Uh, the actor's studio in New York, and he just like keeps training himself. He's worked in a whole bunch of different acting programs, just honing his craft and stuff. He this is this is I find a particularly timely, interesting, relevant, and personal fact. He claimed that he got the idea or the desire to become an actor from, he was inspired by David Lynch and David's production of the elephant man in 1980 for TV. And that's when he became, wanted to become an actor. And he actually later played the, uh, main character, John Merrick on on, uh, let's see, on the stage for his graduate thesis at the Actors Studio. And then he won, let's see, did he win? I think he won, no, he didn't win. But he was nominated for uh, a Tony Award in 2014 uh, for, for playing the Elephant Man, or in, in the Elephant Man. So uh, he definitely, he's a very versatile actor. He can do he can do theater, does film. He's really good behind the camera. He writes music. He wrote he wrote the original music for um, the the film A Star Is Born. Directed it. That's one of my favorite movies too. I love I love all the stars is borns. It's funny. I didn't know what us the stars is borns were about or anything and a couple months before the latest one came out because there's there's four official versions and then several other movies that are basically a star is born too but my very good friend chip boys who used to go on the road with me a lot and we used to write together and all sorts of things he would be in my group of writers too but he moved to thailand and he's off being uh, just uh, a free-spirited, awesome adventurer and stuff. So left me back in the states to just deal with my career on my own. So by the way, I miss you, Chip. So hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and having fun in Thailand, living the dream. But anyway, he asked me a couple months before uh, the latest *Stars Born* came out. He goes, "Are you?" I've, what what are your feelings on on a star is born because he assumed that i was all about that and i was like i i don't know i've never seen it i don't know i never saw any of the original ones i so i just for some reason i went to go see it because i've i heard that when it when it came out it was getting pretty good reviews and people were like oh this is good and then i went to go see it and i loved it i mean Clearly, clearly people love it. They've remade it four times. They've all been good. It's probably the, out of anything that's ever been made multiple times, it's so consistent because every single one is good. In fact, I think the worst one is actually the original one. And that's, that's not saying it's terrible. I'm not judging it because it's the oldest it's, and, and the most boring in retrospect. I just think when it originally came out, it was it was a decent movie, and all the others are very good movies. And I, it's a tough call. 
I'm not even sure that the latest one is my favorite one. Like it, it is my favorite one, but I'm not sure that it's the best one. I think, I think, uh, and I'm, I, I, I don't remember. I think it's like night, um, when, whenever it was the Judy Garland, uh, one, which was the second one is probably the best one technically from a film standpoint, the, the, uh, Chris Christopherson one. I think most people will probably call it the Barbra Streisand one, but, uh, the, I call it the Chris Christopherson one. And I love that one. That, that one is definitely the most dated, but it's also in, and it's also the most different from the other three versions. And yet it's really great for what it is too. I mean, I think if that one had not been what it was, then they wouldn't have even gotten around to being able to make this next one, the latest one, which was great. Uh, it is, I, and it is, it is a timeless story. It's, it's a surprising story. One of the reasons I never saw any of the previous ones is because I did not really understand what it was about. It sounds like it's going to be just a sort of cheesy hallmarky romance film and it is so much about the the entertainment industry and it is just a uh, a painfully relatable story not just for me it is it is painfully relatable in a sense of it is a story that will keep being played out time and time again. And there's so much truth in it, uh, reality in it, truth about life, truth about uh, relationships and timing and motives and ambition and love and tragedy. And it is just not what in the covers or the trailers for any of them make it seem like. And it is so good. Not to mention Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga are amazing in it too. So there is that. Um, This is interesting. Super interesting to me. Bradley Cooper really wanted to play Bruce Wayne slash Batman in the Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice in 2016. He didn't get it. It went to uh, the co-star of He's Just Not That Into You, the 2009 film. Uh, It went to his co-star, Ben Affleck. And we all know who that turned out. Fine, I guess. I don't have a real strong opinion on that Batman. I could do a whole podcast just on Batmans. I have very strong feelings on Batman. It's probably one of my number one conversations to have with Anybody, everybody that I've ever asked about it, you know, we all talk about different ones. Um, I think it would have been so fun to have Bradley Cooper as. I actually, though, in some ways, I he probably shouldn't have gotten it because I kind of think that it it probably would have been terrible, just because I like him as a pick the best, right? the it, it's insane he probably could do it because i think he can he can do the dramatic to do the bruce wayne and he would i think i think that's what would have been so great he would have brought a really interesting like hey you're a really good actor bring 
a Bruce Wayne with a lot more depth than I think a lot of the actors have brought. And there's been great, there's been great Batman previously. I just don't think they've all had the depth on the Bruce Wayne side that they needed. Like the, the latest ones, the Christopher Nolan ones with, um, what Christian Bale, wonderful Batman movies, but I don't you know, I don't pick Christian Bale as my favorite overall pick for Batman because I did not love his Bruce Wayne as much. My number one pick is definitely got to be the original Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, Batman for the experience because one Tim Burton movies, he's amazing. Uh, but also I think that Michael Keaton was so great, both as like the dark brooding, tragic Bruce Wayne. He was the most human on that side while still being a cool Batman on the Batman side, which is surprising because I wouldn't think of him as an action hero, but I mean, I I think he played the Batman a little more as a, a detective sort of like he, he did. He was written in the comics. So it's not only is it the most authentic Batman, but you know, it was just the most complete. I like them all though. And that's the funny thing that, that I've heard different people say, if you look at when they announce who's going to play Batman, you know, because every time a new Batman is picked, Everybody goes, oh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. It especially happened when Ben Affleck, you know, was chosen. But if you look back, everybody seems like a weird pick, right? I mean, that's the thing. You have this fantasy comic book hero who's not real. He's, he's written really weird. He could be anybody, right? And they go for big stars because it's a huge, huge property, uh, intellectual property that, you know, is going to be a huge investment and they have to make their money back. So they have to attach some star power to it. And you have the picks of Michael Keaton. You had Val Kilmer. You had George Clooney, Ben Affleck. Uh, now you're going to have Pattinson. So every time, every time one of these people is announced, it's weird. Uh, Christian Bale in there too, you know, like you hear them and you're like, huh, that person seems like a weird pick and then they do do really cool things with it too. So that's, I mean, they're actors, right? And they're playing somebody who's not real. So they all can have a little different take on it and they can all bring something different to it. And there's different highs and lows about all of them. I think a lot of people think that Batman forever was one of the worst ones. I mean, I guess actually I think it's uh, Batman and Robin was the worst, worst one, but Batman forever was a uh, bad one. I don't believe that. I enjoy them all. Yes, they're not as good as the Tim Burton ones. One, because Tim Burton is so amazing. By the way, I have a great joke uh, about uh, Tim Burton films. I try to keep my podcast a little bit cleaner, so I'm not going to tell it, but if you are around me in October, around the Halloween time frame, then ask me about my Tim Burton joke. It's consistent. I have never had anybody protest that my joke is not accurate. They might, they might say it's not appropriate 
but nobody has ever said that my presumption is not at least partially uh, factual or consistent. Okay, so let's get back to talking about what Bradley Cooper has done. Uh, There's an interesting fact about one of the early films he did. In 2008, he was in a horror film called Midnight Meat Train. Now, that sounds like it was... It's, it sounds like a terrible title uh, for a really stupid B-film. It was actually a pretty good movie. It got some nominations and awards in horror-specific uh, award categories that year. And people overall thought that it was a decent, um, decent horror movie. Now, the fun fact about that movie is that in Silver Linings Playbook, after Pat and Tiffany go to the diner, the famous diner where, you know... It can still be a date if you order raisin bread. That one, where they basically go on their first first official, unofficial date, uh, they get into a fight, they storm off, it's, it's Halloween, everybody's out trick-or-treating, and they walk by a movie theater, and on the movie theater kiosk is Midnight Meat Train which is just one of those little Easter eggs because Bradley Cooper was the protagonist in that film. Didn't really know who he was at the time. In fact, Bradley Cooper is a guy that has been acting in all these amazing things that looking back when I was doing research for this episode of the podcast, I did not realize all the things that he had done. Uh, he is, he's credited as his first big acting role, which, and, and by big, I mean like he, his first film role was the 2001 film Wet Hot American Summer. And he actually didn't attend his graduation from that, the, the, the actor's studio uh, because he was filming that movie. But I think probably anybody would, would skip their school graduation to go actually do the thing that they want to do. Wet Hot American Summer is a fascinating movie. I did not see it in 2001. I watched it on Netflix, and it is a film with a cult following. I had never heard about it, too, though. I don't remember it coming out. It uh, they were. It is a movie that uh, was produced, written and produced by one person I don't know, but then also by Michael Showalter, who I was far more familiar with, who is an actor and comedian and podcaster, sketch comedian, uh, just, um, you know, one of the uh, people in the, the comedy community. And he, he was uh, one of the co-writers and co-creators of the film. And it is, it is a star-studded cast. It's weird. I don't have the perspective because I didn't see it in 2001. And I was still in high school in 2001. I know, I'm giving away my age, right? Uh, I went to high school really early. I was like 15 at the time. No, I'm trying to make a joke, and I probably was 15 at the time. Is that when people go to high school? I'm so... It's it's late. But anyway, so Wet Hot American Summer, some of the the people in it... So I, I don't know how many of them were actually like famous famous when it was made. But if you look back now, it's really fun just because almost everybody is somebody that you would know if you're about my age and grew up on the TV and movies. I did. So just as an example, I, I, you know, I only pick the names of the people I recognize, but the couple I leave out might be 
people that everybody else is familiar with too. But you have uh, David Hyde Pierce, uh, who, you know, he was in Frasier, Molly Shannon, Paul Rudd, Christopher Milani, Michael Showalter, uh, Michael Ian Black, Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper in his first film, totally unknown Bradley Cooper, Elizabeth Banks, Jolo Trulio. Now, I realize I'm, I'm listing off people that I think are like super famous to me. You might not recognize <laughs> Jolo Trulio. If you, if you saw him, you would. I just, he's one of my favorite character actors. And so I learned his name because every time he shows up, it makes me so happy. He's uh he's a very fun, the, the best way I can describe him. I feel like he's, he's like the comedy equivalent of Tim Blake Nelson, even though Tim Blake Nelson does comedy too. Just, if you don't know him, look him up. Joe low Trulio T R U G L I O. You'll recognize his face. Uh, he's, is I I'm just always happy every time I see him. Uh, Judah Freelander and H. John Benjamin. So and that's that's a pretty impressive cast, right? Especially for for a comedy movie. And they made that film for I think it was 1.8 million dollars, which is a really low budget for a film. But they pretended. Like it was five million when they were looking for distribution to try to get it or um, to try to get a better distribution deal, and they, they spent twenty eight days shooting it, uh, and so it was actually um, the funny thing about it is that it was such a small budget that in a in an interview Paul Red says he doesn't even remember if he got paid for it at all now here's an interesting fact about it it is a movie that is sort of like a parody of summer camp coming of age movies and the film was shot in at camp Tawanda in honesdale pennsylvania there's our connection aside from the fact that it's also bradley cooper's first movie ever it was. It became a cult classic. It was sort of panned at the time, but became a cult classic. And then there was an eight-episode prequel series in 2015. And then there's also a 2017 uh, eight-episode sequel series, which Bradley Cooper was not in because he was super famous and way too expensive now. Some of the early TV shows that he was in that I did not remember. Uh, I think I think his first first acting gig was he was on an episode of Sex and the City in 1999. He played Jake, and he was um, he he was relatively unknown up until it's considered till 2005 was one of his first more sort of prominent roles where he was in Wedding Crashers and he played uh, bad guy Sack Lodge uh, with um, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. And uh, so that Rachel McAdams, I think he was, uh, I think it was Rachel McAdams' boyfriend or husband, fiance. I don't remember that movie either. I'm not, I, I don't watch. So This is terrible. I make my living doing comedy and I don't love a lot of the mainstream comedy movies. 
I I like more esoteric, dark, black comedies. Um, but I I do keep trying to watch them. I do keep sort of seeing these things and and try to get into them. I, I just they're not super memorable to me. Uh, one of the things Bradley Cooper is big into cooking and the culinary arts. And so I wish I had known this in 2005, he was actually cast in the lead of a show called kitchen confidential that I believe only ran for about four episodes, but it was based on a memoir by Anthony Bourdain. And he was sort of playing a Bourdain-ish character. His character was actually, last name was Bourdain. I think it was Jack Bourdain. I could have that wrong. It could have been Brian Bourdain or something. It, it's Bourdain. But it, and apparently critics thought the show was great, but it just got low ratings. And so it was canceled after four episodes. But that was really, so I want to go back and see that because I did not even know about that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think, and, you know, I've talked about some of the things he's done. I want to make a prediction now, too, talking about how good he is. One of the reasons I like him is he's one of those multi-faceted actors. He's uh, another one that I, I really like that I think in the same vein is Hugh Jackman. I think they're very similar. That would definitely be another guy that I think would be in the running if you went for, like, who who could be one of the, the best living actors. The big difference, though, here, and it comes down to movie, to role choice, I think if, and, and I always say this in my conversations with Nick and Conrad, if I had to pick uh, based on multiple things, I have to say, at least from a mainstream perspective, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is probably the premier actor of our generation. And a large part of that has to do with the projects he picks to be in. That's part of the hugest thing. Almost everything he's ever picked has been a winner, at least pretty good. Maybe a couple of the early ones uh, were a little hit or miss, but... Uh, he's just been in so many good, good movies. So I don't know that that could be a discussion for another time. The reason I was comparing Bradley Cooper to Hugh Jackman though, is because like they, uh, Hugh Jackman, I think it's always so interesting that he comes from a theater background. He was singing one of the first things that I ever saw him in was a um a i forget what they're called like pro shot or i think i think that's it a pro shot version uh production of oklahoma uh that was produced in the uk or something but like the, the dude straight up does musicals and sings and dances and i know he was uh and the boy from oz uh, or something. I don't know what that was about. Um, <laughs> it's probably about the boyfriend. The guy that wrote wrote The Wizard of Oz. He was in the film The Greatest Showman and did a lot of singing and dancing and stuff. And I love musical theater, which, oh, I could go off onto that. Uh, also, this is, I, I just 
spent like the best Labor Day weekend ever um, watching watching Twin Peaks, the whole thing. It had been a, a lifelong dream for about the 10 years, and I, I very much sat there on a sofa watching it with uh, the most beautiful uh, woman in the world who is amazingly lovely and I, I am probably in love with. I say that jokingly, the probably part, because I absolutely am. But this is not about that. Uh, it, it could be. I could get on to the podcast. But here's the thing, okay? Like, I, I'm trying to, to do a podcast about the podcast. Even though, why not? Why not talk about that? Because, you know, Silver Linings Playbook. That's a movie about two crazy people falling in love. So here's what I'm going to do. Instead of getting distracted, I will devote a whole nother episode at some point to talk about what's going on there. I just, I wanted to acknowledge it because it is very important. And I wanted both of the, the listeners of this podcast to know that the reason I was saying all that, <laughs> I love musical theater and, <laughs> um, the uh oh my goodness i am so blanking on his name now russ tamblin is in twin peaks <laughs> the whole time i was like i played riff in the west side story so that's that connection there let's get back on track also if you're listening hi g okay now, now we're back on, on track. Uh, Hugh Jackman does theater and film, musical theater. The reason this is this is important, and I'm making this comparison. Bradley Cooper does too. He was in a Tony nominated uh, in 2014 for his performance in The Elephant Man, the th uh, theatrical version of it, which I think is really interesting, which means he can perform really well in on the stage too. What does this mean? Well, are you guys familiar with the EGOT Award? It's not actually an award, uh, like an award presented, but EGOT is an acronym, E-G-O-T, which stands for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And it is sort of an acknowledgement given to people that win all four. It doesn't have to be in the same year. In fact, as of now, it never has been. <clears throat> but it is an accomplishment that has not been done very many times. Uh, but it is sort of just like the the unofficial dream of a lot of performers to just be, be awarded. It's sort of like, um, you know... Uh, Oh, what is it called? And the hitting for the cycle in baseball, where you hit a single, double, triple, and home run in the same game. <clears throat> it's just a very, very sort of prestigious accomplishment for for performers and creators in these fields. Uh, the the late the most recent EGOT was, and I guess we'll call it qualified. Uh, uh, you know, somebody qualified for that that title acknowledgement was Alan Menken. 
Uh, it took him 30 years, but he actually he accomplished it this year in 2020. He accomplished the EGOT cycle when he won the Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Original Song in a Children's, Young Adult, or Animated Program for co-writing Waiting in the Wings from Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Alan Menken, if you're not familiar with him, is a musician-composer who is responsible for some of the most beloved sort of modern-era Disney songs. Uh, He is responsible for Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid, 1989, Be Our Guest, Beauty and the Beast, 1991, Belle from Beauty and the Beast, 1991, A Whole New World from Aladdin, 1992, Friend Like Me from Aladdin, 1992. So he is a well-loved musician, right? Here's a fun fact about him. In 2019, he actually won a Razzie Award for Worst Original Song. If you're not familiar with it, Razzie Awards are Razzie Awards, which are in their, or I guess, yeah, their last year was their 13th year running it. They're they're a, a quasi real award given for like the worsts in movies and stuff. So, but in 2019, he won Worst Original Song for the 1993 song High Times, Hard Times from Newsies, which is a 1992 musical uh, movie from the Disney company, which has gone on to be a theater musical as well, which the movie starred Christian Bale, who would go on to be Batman and is probably also in the running for one of the best actors of our time. I still, my heart says Bradley Cooper. My head says... um, What's his face? DiCaprio. Uh, but that's let me know what you think too. Comment or like on our on our uh, social media things and let me know who you think is the best actor of our time. I think it's Bradley Cooper because we're a Silver Linings Playbook themed podcast, and so I think that's gotta be the official position of this podcast. But oh, this is what I wanted to say about Alan Menken winning the the Razzie Award in 2019, though. He also uh, won an Academy Award that year too. So he, um, so don't ever get discouraged, actors, artists, performers, creators, because you can be acknowledged. You can receive an acknowledgement for doing the absolute worst work of your career, and then go on to also do some of the best in the exact same year. It took him thirty years to qualify for the. You got some of the other notable ones that you might recognize. Uh, Mel Brooks, he qualified in 2001. It took him 34 years to accomplish the feat. Whoopi Goldberg uh, got got her qualification in 2002. It took her 16 years. Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, was a 2018 qualifier. It took him 38 years. The shortest person that ever qualified for an EGOT award was Robert Lopez. It took him from 2004 to 2014, 10 years. He started his run in 2004. He got a Tony for the book of Mormon, uh, the music for the, the book of Mormon. Uh, he went on to 2012, got a Grammy for the book of Mormon. The, the, um, 
I think a the soundtrack or something. I'm not sure how they do Grammys, but apparently you don't always have to uh, win the award the year that you write or originally perform the song, I guess, if it's used in a different way. Uh, in 2008, he won the Daytime Emmy Award for, I guess, a TV show called Wonder Pets. And then in 2014, this is what everybody will, will know, he got the uh, Oscar for a film song for Let It Go from Frozen. So a lot of these Disney guys, <laughs> excuse me, um, showed up on... Uh, and, and so this is my theory too, that because uh, a lot of um, a lot of the EGOT uh, qualifiers are actually musicians, composers, and/or singers. So in in some ways, I feel like that's the easiest way. I don't want to say easy. So few people have done it. But if you write music and the music is for the film, th- that is where most of the EGOT uh, EGOT qualifiers are from because i think if you think about it it's really the musical aspect that is the most difficult of those those disciplines to to qualify for if you come from the acting world right plenty of people can act in movies and and theater and film are totally different mediums movies and tv are even you know, really different mediums. But if you can act, it will lend itself in some ways to acting in different uh, venues, in different mediums. It's not as far of a stretch to say that somebody that wins an Academy Award for a film might be good enough actor to win an, an Emmy for a TV program later. It is a whole different skill set completely that's not based on any of the same things really to then win a Grammy for singing. If So that's why these guys that are like a writer or something, uh, a lyricist, a music writer, probably has more, op- yeah, and we'll say it, more opportunity to qualify for the other awards because there are musical categories at the Academy Awards and such. Uh, so that's just the practicality of why most of the pe- most of the people that win all these have some strong musical credential. And that's why I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think Bradley Cooper will uh, at some point in his career he will qualify for any got acknowledgement award. We're just going to call it an award. And that is because I think he's already done the hardest one that I would least expect him to do. And that is win Grammy. He won a 2019 and a 2020 Grammy, both uh, in 2019 for his, for a duo pop performance of shallow with lady Gaga. And then 2020, uh, it was a very complicated title, but it was like best sound original soundtrack for a visual medium, which is basically a movie soundtrack but i guess it could be movie tv or anything for the the whole album uh, for a star is born and he's been nominated so many other times in other things that i just think it's it's only a matter of time with with eight academy award nominations the man's bound to to win one at some point 
and and I have to say, most people that win Academy Awards have a much higher chance of winning in an Emmy at some point in their career because there's a huge shift in in sort of focusing on TV programs. I I think when I went to film school, feature films were still the thing everybody wanted to do. But quickly, even even like a year later after I graduated, there was a quick shift, uh, a rapid shift in the quality of TV programming. And really over the last, uh, you know, long amount of time since I've been out of college, there's been a real increase in the prestige and respect that people look at when they're looking at TV programming and TV performances. So a lot of, a lot of actors who used to only do, do movies and it was seen as a totally different and lesser, lesser thing to do TV. Uh, people want to do TV now. TV is the thing, especially with many series, with these streaming services that are provi- you know, creating eight-episode things that are basically stories that are longer than you can fit into 90 minutes, two-hour film. Uh, but that's the story length that somebody wants to tell. And it gives a whole lot more range for these actors and stuff too. I'll tell you, my favorite person who is on the EGOT list is actually Audrey Hepburn. She started her run with, uh, in 1954, she won her t- a Tony for Best Actress in a Play for Ondine. Ondine? I don't know how to pronounce it, but, uh, but she won it, right? And in 1954 was also the year uh, she won for Roman Holiday. Roman Holiday being one of my favorite films. Roman Holiday is so great. It is so fun. I could go... Oh, not there is a comedy drama that is fantastic. Not only was she an adorable actress, and but she was like a really good person too she had like humanitarian award acknowledgements uh, in the later part of her career worked a lot for different humanitarian programs and causes in she won her emmy in 1993 for gardens of the world with audrey hepburn which i guess was like talking through on a documentary or some tv documentary it was uh, awarded for instructional uh, medium or something. And then in 1994, she won the Grammy for Audrey Hepburn's Enchanted Tales, which won for spoken word album for children's. Uh, and she, this is, this is something that I think is just sort of like a absolute tragedy. Does she, was nominated for five Academy Awards in her lifetime, and she only won one. And that was, in fact, the very first one for Roman Holiday, 1954. So that if, if there's anything that's ever been an indication of the fact that the Academy Awards don't always line up with the best people that deserve them at least in my opinion they're always controversial you can go back and listen to the episodes early episodes of the silver Linings playcast where we talk about the i think it's the 94th annual academy awards in 2013 when silver linings playbook was nominated but yeah there's there's always controversy you know i'm not going to be bitter about it though you know one i you know it's not 
It's not my choice. But anyway, that's that's my prediction. I'm going to call it right now. In the next uh, 15 years, Bradley Cooper qualifies for an EGOT award. All right. Well, we've gotten to about an hour, and so we're going to wrap up right now. I could go on talking about all these things forever, but I do kind of want to go to sleep um, because I am getting tired, if you can tell. I hope it wasn't getting noticeable. Uh, Actually, um, I don't want to go to sleep. I got a couple things to take care of. Uh, I don't know. Do you think I was, was... was uh breathing funny this whole time if i was actually it was probably just because i am tired i had a full day i had a i'm not all right i'm i'm now acting like i'm talking specifically to specific people and i'm not this because this is a podcast for the public and everybody uh so anyway this has been a lot of fun we are going to go through the different actors and actresses through silver linings playbook but uh, thank you guys so much for listening if you enjoyed this make sure to subscribe we are on all the different podcasting platforms and remember i am looking for stories from couples that realize that they fell in love with each other at different points during their courtship you can email those to silver linings playcast p-l-a-y-c-a-s-t at gmail.com. I'll say that again. Silver Linings Playcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, all the other social media, Silver Linings Playcast. We're on all the major podcast networks. And also, if you're listening to this, you probably know me personally and have my phone number, even though I don't talk to most people uh, that often. But I'm welcome. We, but, but you're welcome too. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I unpo- this is getting really weird this last two minutes I wish I was a person that edited podcast because I probably should just cut off this last several minutes we were doing so well all right guys thank you so much for tuning in to the silver linings playcast we will be back next week uh, Thursday and every Thursday with season 13 premiere uh, this wraps up season number 12. We will see you guys down the road. Until next time, Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is the forest. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast. Oh, yeah.